Bubbler Talk, quenching Milwaukee's thirst for knowledge. I'm Joy Powers, a producer and interviewer for Lake Effect, and as you might imagine, my job involves a lot of research. Sometimes I'll come across a reference to an obscure historic event that I've never heard of, which is why I was interested in a question we received from a listener earlier this year. Hugh Swafford wanted us to investigate an event aptly named the Milwaukee Bank Riot of 1861. It was a flashpoint in the city's history that has largely been lost to time, but the riot was about much more than that single day of chaos. Chaos. The story starts during the presidency of Andrew Jackson. In 1836, his war on banks culminates in one of his final acts, vetoing the reauthorization of the Second Bank of the United States, the only nationally chartered bank at that time. It helps create a shortage of stable currency, as banking historian Richard Sila explains. There was a major financial panic. It's called the Panic of 1837, where a lot of banks failed in the country and we had a recession, depression. The newly founded Wisconsin Territory had split from the Michigan Territory just a year earlier, and archivist Kevin Abing from the Milwaukee County Historical Society says the panic had a huge impact on the fledgling frontier. A lot of banks went under across the country. Credit shriveled up for for the large part. I mean, it just brought any commerce or land speculating, that kind of thing, brought it to a halt. But the war on banks and the resulting panic did more than just cripple the economy. It created a great distrust in banking itself. When Wisconsin finally became a state, banking was prohibited by its constitution, which meant the state wouldn't charter any banks. Since there was no central financial institution in the U.S. or standard currency, no charters theoretically meant no banknotes. Banking historian Richard Sila explains. The banknote is just like the pieces of paper we have in our pocket, you know, $1 bills with George Washington's picture on it, $5 with Abraham Lincoln. Now these are issued by the United States government. But before the Civil War in the United States, there were some hundreds of banks, and each one of them issued banknotes like the currency we have in our pockets now. But these were obligations not of the United States government, but of the bank itself. That last bit, notes being the obligation of the bank itself, that's really important to the story of this riot. Banking was eventually made legal in Wisconsin, and as was the standard, each bank was responsible for insuring their assets through bonds. By 1861, when southern states seceded and the Civil War began, three-quarters of Wisconsin banks were backed with southern bonds. The southern governments that issued the bonds were unlikely to want to pay back the bonds that were held outside their country, you know, like in Wisconsin. As a result, the Wisconsin Bankers Association met to discredit dozens of banks, making their notes worthless. But by June of that year, the banks were still in a free fall. On Friday, June 21st, the association discredited 10 more banks. News of this came down the next day after many of Milwaukee's German laborers had been paid with these now worthless banknotes. So you walked into a, a bar in Milwaukee, let's say, and you tried to buy your your beer and the bartender would say, the bankers told us not to accept your money. So, you know, if you got paid in that money a few days before, you might have been quite angry. The following Monday, hundreds of working men marched down the streets of Milwaukee, ending up at the doors of Mitchell's Bank. The owner, Alexander Mitchell, tried to calm the crowd, but retreated after one of the rioters threw a rock that narrowly missed his head. Archivist Abing continues. That just kind of set off 
the mob and they and they went crazy. I mean, they started busting windows and breaking doors and they eventually they broke through the doors of Mitchell's bank and they ransacked the place. I mean, the money, uh, Mitchell was, was smart enough to lock it all up in the, in the vault, so that was safe. Pretty much anything else that was left in the building was, was trashed. Now, all the furniture and a lot of bank records and things were lost. Uh, the furniture was thrown out into the street, and eventually they started a big bonfire with it all. The mob repeated the process at the state bank across the street and continued to riot until a local militia was deployed to restore order. The governor declared martial law, and in the end, no one was gravely injured. Although, according to the New York Times, the mob did stone the mayor, he was slightly injured. The bankers eventually agreed to pay the workers for their discredited banknotes, and the city calmed down for a while. Two years later, the National Currency Act created money backed by U.S. government bonds. It was the beginning of the end for bank-issued currency and the start of our current system of banking. For Bubbler Talk, I'm Joy Powers. What have you always wanted to know about Milwaukee's people, places, or culture? Visit wuwm.com slash bubblertalk to submit your question.